Now, we've been studying in our Bible lesson. Uh, we're starting the year off. We're preparing today to, uh, well, we're working on what we're calling strongholds or pulling down strongholds. Can you say that with me? Pulling down strongholds. Praise God. And I'm, I think I'm going to teach one of the strongholds that we need to pull down is having zero rest. And no, I'm just kidding. No, there's all kinds of battles, and that's not one of them. All right, so if, you know, if you've come, you need to rest and sleep, and so we're not going to disturb you. But what we want to do is we want to talk about how we're going to have revival in 2018. Anybody hungry for revival? Now, I've got news for you, church. The Lord is coming, and I'm not ashamed to say that I believe with all my heart that we could see the Lord come this year. There's no doubt in my mind. It could happen. We're very close to the coming of the Lord, and what we need to do is plan for the greatest revival in the history of apostolic tabernacle that's what we're planning for and so the very first we're calling these the key principles of spiritual warfare and uh, that is to say there are many principles and uh, spiritual warfare is important I'm going to review a couple things we're going to come back around and then we're going to talk a little bit about uh, principle number two but we're still looking at uh, at the first principle so for second Corinthians 10 4 of course as we talked about last time let's go to the next the next slide, if you would. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war in the flesh. That's just another way of saying, though we're living as human beings, we're not going to battle. We're not battling these things as just human beings. How many knows that God is on our side? And so what we're doing, we're not doing out of ourselves. We're not doing it because we're somebody or because we've got a Ph.D. or because we're Superman. We're able to do it because of the power of God in our lives. So whatever you're facing, now I noticed today that Sister French sent a note up, and she's in here, that the Foundations class is, is delaying their final session until next Sunday. And there's several reasons, whatever they were, but they're going to be joining us. So as the folks are gathering in our foundations class, these are folks that are brand new to the church and they're just learning things about why we're, uh, why we run and jump and shout and praise God and, and all the things that we do as Pentecostal, why we're Pentecostal basically. But uh, one of the most important things you can learn is that what we're about and what the church should be about and is about is that God is at the source of all that we're doing. Whatever power you have, it's going to come from God. If you're, if you're living holy, now church, you listen to me. There's no such thing as being holy because you are so holy. You are not holy. You are made holy by the power of God. And you could not wear this or that or wear this or that. That does not make you holy. That's not what makes you holy. It's God that makes you holy. And it's your heart and your life and your dedication and your willingness and obedience to the word of God. For example, how many knows that water, well, I, I, see, I'm, I'm going to get stirred up again. So water in baptism does not wash your sins away. It's not the water that does the washing. In fact, I've always argued, I still argue, I still believe that it's the name that takes sins away. When you're baptized in his name, it's the washing of the name of Jesus Christ over your life. And it is not because you performed an act and the act alone does it. The act alone could not do it. The water alone could not do it. But when you do it by faith in the name of Jesus and you call on his name, then everything begins to happen. And lives are changed just like many of us here today. So we walk not in the flesh. We do uh, 
not war in the flesh, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal or fleshly, which we talked about earlier. So our weapons are not fleshly, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. And so, church, I'm just going to tell you right now, if you think we're going to have uh, the devil defeated because we got a great choir, you're, you're, then we're, we're out of here. It's not it, because somebody sings pretty. Nope, it's not going to do it. Or because you have a pretty building over here on Terra. Nope, not going to do it. We could have the prettiest building in town and we could have 10,000 people gather here and not have an ounce of the Holy Ghost. And that will not be revival. Revival is when we gather together in his name and we trust him and we begin to, in the spirit, see mighty things happen. Praise God. Let me tell you, folks, if you think the devil's going to let go of your children and your neighbors and your co-workers and your family just because you're pretty and you're sitting in somebody's church, that's not how it's going to happen. But it will already be happening if you are gathered together in the power of God. And his power is in our midst. So it's mighty through God. Everybody say, through God. Praise God. Now, that doesn't mean I'm not going to get loud. I'm going to get loud. <clears throat> That's just part of the process. Just part of the process. So I'm going to get, uh, I'm going to run around a little bit. And I'm going to, we're going to have evangelists come in. Uh, and all of that. That's, but it's not because an evangelist comes in, even, although we have guests today. That, it's not that alone. It's because somebody's praying. Somebody's believing God. All right, let's go to the next slide, and we're going to repeat Ephesians 6.10 because it's, uh, it, what we are doing is not fleshly. That's what we just read. It's not because it's not a human battle. It's a spiritual battle. Now, of course, it doesn't mean that we don't fight the battle even though we're human. It's not, we're not turning it over to someone else. We're not letting angels handle it. We're fighting the battle, all right, but it's not because we're human and we don't win it in the flesh. We win it. It's a spiritual battle, in other words. So Ephesians 6 and 10 says, "Be." let's read that together. Can you see it? Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Praise God. And you notice, you can see if you'll notice what I typically do, if I'm switching translations, then you'll notice it. And so you see how the words are written along the side of that mountain there, which it took a lot of work to find a mountain that had the words, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. That took a lot of work. But we finally found it, and we snapped that picture. And so we have alongside this, looks like, uh, that looks kind of like Utah maybe, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. And it happens to be the ESV. So you can't be strong in the Lord if you do not pray. There's no such thing as being strong in the Lord because you're cool or you're charismatic or you have great abilities or you're well-educated. All those things may be wonderful and good, but that's, that's, you're not going to be strong in the Lord because of those things. Because there's tons of charismatic, uh, intelligent people that are not strong in the Lord. In fact, some very intelligent people are as far from God as they could ever be. In fact, I'm hearing very intelligent people telling me that there is no God. I hear it all the time. There is no God. And I say, well, uh, I believe there's a God. And so I've got, I used to wouldn't, I would never start an argument out or an explanation to someone and say, well, I feel him right now, but I do that now. I used to wouldn't run to that. I'd say, well, that's kind of cheap shot, you know, to say, well, I feel the Lord right now. But I've just said, hey, 
Because we're in a world, hey folks, we're in a battle. This is not something we're going to win and lose because we're coy and because we got tons of money. We're going to win this battle because God is on our side. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood. We need a revival. We need revival. We need a revival that gets rid of our hatred and our troubled hearts and breaks the chains of sin. Praise God. But all these things are fought and won in the heart. Now let's go to the next one. And uh, well, let's skip the next one. Of course, the prayer of the Lord, we already talked about this in, in, uh, extensively. I want to get to the key, first key again. Spiritual warfare is the battle for the kingdom, which of course it is. And let's skip Isaiah 54. Okay, they're trying to follow me. Let's keep going. Okay, now we're at principle number one. And uh, we're going to pick it up here with Ephesians 6.17. Now, this, uh, this is a common starting point for any discussion or thought or sermon about spiritual warfare. Um, for, for many of you, you, you shed tears for your loved ones. No one ever sees you. You don't necessarily come to the church and then you're in the altar here and you just stay and weep all night or whatever. You may or you may not. What I'm saying is that many of you bear the, the burden of someone that you love. Maybe uh, I'm thinking of battles just this week, family members that I've been involved with where, and not necessarily here, I'm not trying to bring personal things up, but just families that I've dealt with this week, uh, various things and various situations where people are grieved or they're burdened and they don't know what in the world am I going to do? Someone, I'm trying to think of something that's uh, far from anyone here so it's not personal, but uh, someone just recently said, I do not know what, what am I going to do? What am I going? They were literally worried about the, whether or not their, their uh, family member would live or die. Were they going to make it through the circumstances that they're facing because of the struggle of sin and, and the battle and that, that battle that you're, that you're waging, that warfare that's going on, is an essential part of the process of revival. If we run from the battle, just think of that. What would you think of a soldier? Of course, we're, all, we're just speaking symbolically here. But if you ran from a battle, just think, here's a soldier. Here's the soldiers. Uh, uh, let's not say which army it is, but here's an army and, and they're, they're about to go into battle and all of a sudden they throw their guns and everything down, and they start running the other way. What's that called? That's not good. That's called not good. When people start running from the battle, we could say, well, that's cowardice or that's uh, what does, whatever it is. We, we, we feel kind of yucky about it. We, don't, we, we feel very troubled when someone that is supposed to be waging, you know, we think of soldiers as people that are willing to give their lives for the cause, their nation or their country and, and, and the people that they love and values that they believe in. And to turn and run. Folks, I want to tell you something. If we don't believe in this, then nobody else is going to. It's the children of God that believe that God is able. Does anybody believe that God is able here today? God can do mighty things. And he is doing mighty things. In fact, I believe with all my heart that it is essential that I take the time in a few morning lessons to talk about what's going to happen in February. What's going to happen in March. What are we doing? We're going to have revival. We're going to have revival. We're not going to let the devil keep us from revival. Praise God. We're not just going to talk about it. We're not just going to get excited about it. We're going to have revival. 
because revival is already here, and, and of course you know that. And there are powerful things that are happening, and it happens because we are in the battle. Now that can sound negative, of course, and I'm trying to, I'm trying to walk this thin line here. It's actually walking with God. It's being spiritual when you fight the devil. For example, you say, well, I want to be spiritual, but I don't want to fight the devil. The devil is so, I don't want to, someone, one time I was, uh, I forget, this was a long time ago, but anyway, I, I was much younger, but I, I was preaching someone, and I was like, I don't care what the devil, you know, I was getting very dramatic, which is very rare for me. And so I was just getting so into it, and someone afterwards said, oh, Brother French, be careful. You might have, well, I forget if they said uh, the exact words, but something like, you might I think they said offend the devil. Did you hear it, Sister French? Do you remember that? You, you might offend the devil. Maybe that doesn't sound right all of a sudden. You might stir up the devil anyway. And I, at, at first I thought, oh, yeah, I hadn't thought of that. And then I thought, what? You, you want me to be careful? They didn't want me to say too much about defeating the devil because the devil might get mad. And that's the first time I developed a little slogan for myself. I'm sure millions of people use it, but, but I developed it for me, and I claim it for myself. The devil's mad, and I'm glad. I don't care what the devil does. Now, am I wanting to stir something up? And someone said, well, what if you're not spiritual enough? And what if, you're not, what if we're not spiritual enough, Brother French? You're saying that the devil might come after us and stuff. And I said, <laughs> that's exactly why I'm saying it. It's people like that. It is why I'm saying it. It's time for the church to say, devil, we're not afraid of you. We come in the name of Jesus. Let's clap our hands and thank God for his mighty power. He's a mighty God, and he's a great God. Now, we're going to get down to principles here. The first one is the power of prayer. Can you say that with me? The power of prayer. And take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and then there's a colon. See, read, I'm reading right here from Ephesians. And you notice that I've skipped things, and that's why it says B. And then 18 says, praying always with all prayer and supplication. Now, I've retranslated this many times from this pulpit. I'm not going to do it today. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Everybody say, in the Spirit. But let's not in there. There's quite a bit in this. And watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication. <laughs> so you've noticed we've repeated the word prayer twice, and yet it's not the same Greek word. And we've repeated the word supplication twice, but it is the same Greek word. And so watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. So what? What this first principle is telling us in this context is that prayer in the, in the context of warfare for the church begins by the church praying for one another. Until the church becomes a gathering of folks that love one another so much that they pray for one another 
Hallelujah. And I want to tell you what I believe about this tabernacle. I believe there is such a profound desire that we are a family under God. We are preaching a truth that we love and, and, and praise God for, that we are constantly praying for one another. Someone walks in that door, we're praying for them. Somebody comes to this altar, we're praying for them. It's, it's a spirit, it's a spirit of unity that draws us into revival and says, I want revival. I want revival. Even if I'm uncomfortable, I want revival. Praise God. And I'm talking to myself today. I'm hungry. I believe God is talking to us about revival. We must never be satisfied in ourselves. And le- listen to me. We must never become bored with prayer. I, I, and I'm, talk, I'm talking to you. I'm talking to me. We must never become bored with prayer. Now, I know on Tuesday night we had a flu epidemic and we said we're not gathering for prayer. You're going to have home prayer. And so we'd send out the calling post. And uh, almost every time, if I'm well, and I was not well, but uh, the time before we had to do this a week or so ago, uh, I, I wait and, and inevitably someone comes and they say, oh, we're not having prayer. And I'll say, no, we're having prayer, but it's at home because there's so many folks sick uh, and, and uh, we've got a bit of a problem. So we don't want anybody else getting pneumonia. We had four people with pneumonia at one time. So we were trying to, and someone said, and, and y'all believe in healing. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And, and I said, well, just think what would have happened if we hadn't been praying. Praise God. Hallelujah. Uh, praise the Lord. See, that's what the devil does. He wants us to think that if we pray, it doesn't make any difference. That prayer is not really making a difference. And I want you to know the devil knows better. He knows that prayer makes the difference. Prayer makes a difference. Not only in the situation, but in you. If God never answered the prayer, he still changed you in the process. That's why I pray. Sometimes I, I, I mean, folks, prayer is the first principle of spiritual battle. If you're not praying, there is no battle. If you're not praying, forget about the battle. If you're not praying, forget about revival. It's not going to come. But when you pray, revival is at the door. Someone said to me the other day, Brother Fritz, I don't know what it is, but every time I come in this church, they were just going on and on. They said, I, I don't know what it is. And I said, well, okay, here, let me explain that to you. That's God. Not just feeling God. That's God. Yeah, but I'm, I know I'm talking about when, when that guy ran like that. And I said, and I couldn't say that was God because that was a guy running. But uh, I said, well, but what you were feeling was not someone because you've probably seen people run, maybe not in church. I said, have you ever seen anybody run in church? No. No, we don't run in church. We don't jump in church. We don't cry in church. We don't gather up front and lift our hands in church. I said, that, see, that's it. See, you've gathered into a, a God-filled tabernacle with people that believe in the power of the Holy Ghost and mighty things begin to happen. People are healed and lives are changed. And folks, let me tell you something. The devil wants you to think that unless you see it and you get a letter signed by the president that says you were healed, then you don't think anything happened. Lots of things are happening and you don't get any letter from Congress and nobody sends a, nobody puts a, a seal on it and says, deliver that. They, they, God just moved over there. Folks, listen, you know good and well that God is doing things even right now. Someone said, well, all that Bible preaching and teaching, do we really need to study the Bible? 
You need to study the Bible. You need to know the Bible. You need to reach out to God. And through the Bible, you become more aware of God's presence and all the rest. So take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying always. Can you say praying always? Praying always. Now let's go to the next one. Now uh, this is tough, so I don't want anybody fainting. I don't want anybody, uh, uh, well, if you're already asleep, you're okay. But I'm, if you are about to pass out, I want you to, uh, we don't have any oxygen. Do we, Sister French? Do we have any canisters anywhere? So you're on your own. If you pass out, we just all we have are ushers. All right, so I don't want you to get too, uh, too, too nervous here. I've done it on purpose. I could have spread it out all over the place, but uh, I didn't because I felt really brave, and now I feel not as brave as I did when I put this on here. But we're going to look at a couple things. I've been wanting to talk about the dynamic of prayer based on uh, James's uh, words here. Because there's some very powerful things. Are you, can you listen to me for a minute? Are you able to receive a little bit here from, from, the, uh, from the Apostle James? So we're looking at uh, verse 15. That is the first half. And then the last half of verse 16. That's all we're reading. Because if we'd have gone into all that other, it would have been impossible. What I'm trying to do is demonstrate to you the power of prayer. Can you say that with me? The power of prayer. We're not talking about a technique. I'm not talking about a technique. I'm not. Someone one time told me, well, the, I, the Bible says pray always, so I never stop praying. I pray under my breath all the time. I said, that's got to be nerve wracking. So how do you eat? But anyway, that, that's another day, another person. But the point being that that was nonsense. That someone could just pray and never stop. The Bible doesn't mean you pray consciously all the time, even when you're talking to. Just think if, like right now, I'm consciously saying this to you, but then I'm going, Jesus, 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 Jesus. See, that's just, it's just cuckoo. And people that do that are, well, it's not healthy, it's not good for them. And uh, then I have to explain, no, that's not what that means. It doesn't mean that you pray. It just like, I mean, you just can't do it. It's not even possible. So that's, and see, this is what the devil does. He gets people so conscious and so confused about things when the simple matter is it's not a technique. It's not because you're running a race. Oh, oh, I'm praying, I'm praying, praying, I'm praying louder and faster. That's what the devil wants you to think. I'm telling you right now, prayer will bind the hands of Satan. You can pray a simple prayer by faith and it will bind the hands of Satan. But then the devil will say, well, look over there. there there's a war in Afghanistan. So you didn't do it. Well, your prayer didn't do anything. See, the devil wants you to think unless you're wearing a crown and you've got a million bucks in your pocket, God didn't answer prayer sufficiently for you to pray. And I want you to know you need to get rid of those notions and pray always. You need to pray every chance you get. Praise God. You need to pray and you need to trust God. Okay, so now let's take a look here at, the, at verse 15. And let's read that together, just the top line. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick. Now, I want to tell you what that says in Greek, okay? Just that line. I'm going, to I'm going to translate it into Greek. Are you ready? How many are ready? The prayer of faith shall save the sick. That's what it says in Greek. Exactly. Brother Latta 
Hallelujah. Hey, good to see you right on the front row here. Let's clap our hands and thank God. The prayer of faith shall save the sick. Now, it's interesting that it's worded that way. I don't have time to dig deep into that. But uh, to say it will save the sick. Didn't, of course, I can tell you one thing it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean that if someone's healed from sickness and they're full of sin, that they're saved just because they were. It doesn't mean that. Probably means something more like you'll be saved from the sickness and, and therefore delivered and so forth. And how many knows that God can answer prayer? God does answer prayer. Hallelujah. And many a time uh, walked into a hospital room where someone did not know God had never been to church. Just recently walked into a hospital room. They didn't know God. They didn't go to church. They knew nothing about the Holy Ghost. And as soon as I stepped into the room, I felt the power of God. Because God was telling me, I want you to pray for this sick person. And I want you to do it in my name. And I want you to let them know that you're doing that. And I've never been to a hospital. Uh, we've, been, uh, we've had children that were very, very sick, and I've never had anyone ever say, no, don't pray for me. Don't pray for my baby. I've never, ever, never. Now, I've never had it. I'm not saying it couldn't happen. We live in a very interesting world, but I've never had it happen. May, could I pray for your baby? Would, would you mind if we pray for your baby? I've never had a person say, no, don't pray for my baby. Because people are willing, hey, maybe prayer will help. And there's a whole bunch of studies out there that are telling our culture that prayer actually seems to make a difference. That's kind of the way they word it. They do all these studies about prayer, people that don't pray and people that do pray and the difference that it seems to make in people's lives. But the prayer of what? See? The prayer of faith. A church... That tells me there is a prayer, there is a praying that is of faith. Everyone say, of faith. The prayer of faith. Now, we could spend a long time. That's a very important notion. But I'm telling you, we need to pray properly. Does everyone understand where I'm going with this? We don't just need to say, well, you know, oh, I'm busy. I'm about to get my cornflakes here. And uh, but let me pray a little prayer. No, no, no. No, that's not the kind of prayer that's going to make a difference. A prayer of faith will make a difference. Praise God. Now, I don't mean by that. I do not mean for one minute that you've got, your son is dying of cancer. And you're supposed to sit there and go, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. And that's the prayer of faith. That unless it happens this very second, you have no faith. There are people praying for needs right now that have all kinds of faith and the answer has not come. And there's plenty of Bible to show us that. And the next person that tells me, oh, if it didn't happen, you have no faith. You're not right with God. Hey, folks, I'm not putting up with it. It's not true. It's not biblical. The fact of the matter is you may be praying for days and days and the answer may not come. But God is still God. And he's still able. Praise the Lord. I'll be personal, but I, I won't. All right, so the prayer of faith. Everybody say the prayer of faith. All right, so that's as far as we'll go with that. That's, obviously, there's tons there, but the prayer of faith will save the sick. I want us to lift our hands and pray for those that are sick right now. Heavenly Father, I pray that our faith will rise, that we will not just do it by measure our faith by emotion, but that we will have true faith that says, I trust God. He's the healer of my body. He's the help in my time of trouble. Hallelujah. Now, we're going to move on. Uh, let's see. I'm trying to pace myself. All right. So the, let's look at verse 16. The effectual. Let's read it because it's very short. All right. Here we go. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man 
faileth much. All right? Now, we're going to do it again because I know that must, many of you didn't help, help us. So we're going to try one more time. Okay, let's, we need to go back, though. Yeah, there we are. All right, now let's read it. Here we go. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Now, the first Greek word you see there, you notice that I've given you the Greek and then I've transliterated it. So if you look in the little bracket, it, it gives you the word iskui. So that's how you would pronounce the Greek word. Nobody cares, and we're not going to repeat every one of these. But the point is that the word availeth, which is a very old word, by the way, when we say, well, it availeth something, most of us don't get that because we're not using that terminology much these days. It, they, we used to as English speakers, but not, not a great deal. But it is the word that means to be very powerful. So the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man is what? Very powerful. Now you notice that I, at the bottom I'm looking at something else. So don't don't stay stay with me here. So the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man does what? Availeth much. It is very very powerful. Does anybody have a need here today? I wonder if you could just lift your hands with me and let's just thank God that the prayers that we pray are powerful in God and they will make a difference. Somebody's facing something today. You don't know how you're going to get through it, but it's you, you as a righteous individual have great power with God. Hallelujah. See, what the devil does is he says, you're nobody, you're not powerful. Why? Look at you, you're still sick, you're still this, can't pay the bill, it's not working out right. Folks, the devil's a liar. How many knows the devil's a liar? He is a liar, he's always been a liar. And if you were healed, this is what he does. And then if you were healed, let's say you had cancer and you were healed and it was gone completely, he would say, oh, well, it's going to come back. He can't, he can't help a lie, he just lies. He's just full of lies. He's the father of lies. That's all Bible, by the way. All right, so, and notice that the New Living says uh, that the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man has great power, which is, I'm showing you that because, well, it demonstrates that I'm telling you the truth because uh, there's a translation that says it. So the effectual fervent prayer, now many of us think we know what effectual fervent means. No, no doubt. I would probably do, but I don't want to just leave it hanging. I want to talk about the power of prayer in relationship to the simple believer having faith and saying, God, I trust you right now. Now, I, I personally believe there's nothing wrong with praying with, with fervor. You know what I mean by fervor? I, I don't think there's anything wrong with preaching with fervor. Now, I don't think you should be uh, running through the wall or anything. Or into the wall. People were running into walls. That's a problem. But to be full of fervor or excitement, that's okay. That's fine. But the idea of just being excited or let's say, uh, how many knows that you can, if some, what, what do you think when someone suddenly has a tear run down their face? Do you think there's some emotion involved? When someone starts weeping. Uh, so it could be, it could be that your faith is being exhibited in all kinds of things that are happening as you pray. Praise God. But of course, you can't say for sure people could shed a tear and it not be powerful prayer. It could be something else. I don't know. But what I'm telling you is that's not the basis by which God is judging the basis of his answering prayer is the prayer of faith. 
I have faith and I'm trusting God and I'm putting my trust in God. Now, everyone say effectual. Everyone say effectual. All right. Now, the, the, I'm going to do this because I think most of us get the idea of effectual. So uh, I'm not trying to insult your intelligence. I know that you know what effectual means. So I've given you the Greek word. It's a long word, but it basically effectual. I'm just saying it so we can build on it. Effectual means to bring a certain effect, obviously, or to be productive. So I, it produces something. Hallelujah. Praise God. Is anybody here hungry for revival today? Yeah, I know, I know it's early. It's January the 21st. But there's something in my soul says the tabernacle is hungering for revival. And so as you begin to pray effectually, that is to say with faith, we're really just repeating ourselves, except now we're defining what faith is, the effectual fervent. Now, effectual fervent, how many are with me? I've only got a few minutes. I'm trying to take it slow. How many are still with me? Okay, where, where are the rest of you? Here, let's, uh, if you're not with, uh, okay, now that was almost there, but I'm just kidding. That was everybody. I, it, it wasn't a great joke, but I was just trying to, you just make sure you were listening. All right. So effectual fervent. Okay. Are you listening? Effectual fervent is one word in the Greek. And the King James translator said, it is so difficult to translate this word. I'm, I'm about to prove this to you. Not that I need to prove anything. I'm trying to demonstrate to you how powerful prayer is. How, how urgent it is that we pray and that we, that we wield in our hands the power of prayer. Folks, I want to tell you something. If we don't pray, we will not see what we long for. If we say, well, some television show or some movie or some little, I'll get a new this or a new that and, and that'll satisfy. No, no, my friend, it will not bring revival. It doesn't matter how good everything else may be. If you are not praying, you are not going to have revival. Now, I'm not talking about how big a church is. You could have big churches. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about revival, where people that are bound by sin are delivered from their sin, where they receive the Holy Ghost and begin to speak in other tongues, and the Holy Ghost is working in them. Okay, so the effectual fervent, that's one word. And I just, you're looking at it. I'm purposely not referring to it in more than that because, well, I don't want anybody to run out of here screaming, all right? So the effectual fervent prayer is telling us the kind of prayer that a righteous man, when he prays it, it is very powerful. Now, I was talking to the Lord. That I said, Lord, I, I really want to understand. I don't care what anybody says. If I never get a degree, if I'm never anything, if I never do any of the things I long to do, if I could be a righteous man that has an effectual prayer, Somebody, some life, someone touched. And I believe that's the heartbeat of this church. I feel people right now. Can we just lift our hands? I've only got a few more seconds. But come on, let's just praise him. Father, that's really our heartbeat today. We want to be effectual. We want to be productive. And therefore, bring about powerful things, Lord, in the Holy Ghost. Not in ourselves. Not big offerings, Lord. That's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about big churches and big numbers. We're talking about powerful. Praise God. 
And so it is. Now, notice at the, see the guy that's praying? Okay, do you see the guy with his hands there in the picture? Is it still there? Okay. Now, notice I'm giving you now four translations. Some of you are like, oh, Brother French, we can't bear another, another second of that. All right, well, you, you only have about one second, so we might can make it. All right, notice I've given you the ESV, which is the, is, uh, I'm using it on purpose to just show you how f- wacky a translation can get. All right, even though I love the ESV normally, but they really missed it here. Prayer, so they're translating the word, uh, let's say effectual, as prayer as it is working. Now, now, I'm not saying that's not acceptable, but it's almost meaningless to most people. So when you say effectual prayer is prayer as it is in the process of working things out, may be technically true but difficult to grasp. So, so well, let's scratch that one. But the new living calls it earnest prayer. Everyone say earnest prayer. And that's getting very close to what the King James was trying to do when it said effectual fervent. In other words, productive fervor. In other words, you're praying with all your might. You know there are many people that pray and they, it's just like they're beating their arms around. They're not getting anywhere. Anybody ever felt like that? You just feel like I'm praying. Sometimes when you're suffering or you're, you don't know what to do and you just think, I got to pray, I got to pray. You know, you, you may not feel like you're being very productive because you're not able to focus and so on. That's why the church is here. That's why we got people sick right now. They can barely pray for themselves. But guess what? We can pray for them. Hallelujah. We can pray for them. That's earnest prayer. Prayer that is given great desire. We could say prayer that is filled with faith. That's earnest prayer. So you can, you can imagine that I like the New Living. I, I don't necessarily love the New Living translation, but I love that translation. Earnest prayer, or the NIV says effective prayer, which is exactly true. They just left off the fervent part. Because see, the word, the Greek word means to be either very fervent or very effective. It has both meanings. So the King James went with both and just said effectual fervent. And I, I like that. I'm not trying to change it. I'm simply saying that when you begin to pray by faith, could we stand? I, I'm, I'm almost out of time. Uh, as we pray for needs, uh, the devil's going to say, well, that's selfish. You have no right to pray. You're not good enough. Look at all the things. Why, you, you, you didn't even do right. Why would God answer your prayer? What you need to do right now is say, devil, get behind me. I want us to lift our hands and ask God to help us today to be a praying church in these last days. Father, we thank you for it right now. The power of God is in this place. Lord, your blessing and your spirit is with us, and we thank you because you, Lord, are going to give us the revival that our hearts long for. And we praise you for it and magnify your name. Can we just clap our hands one more time and give the Lord praise?